we're having so many tongue jokes. Eventually, we're going to have enough whiskey where I start making that's what she said jokes. We're not quite there yet, but that's basically all last episode. It was, and we will get there again. Don't you worry. You're listening to Those Dram Ginzers with your hosts, John and Zach. Hey everyone, I'm John. And I'm Zach. And welcome to Those Dram Ginzers where we drink bourbon and talk about it. We have another fun guest for everyone today, for Ian's guys and gals. The one and only Mr. Bobby Long. Thanks has for come me. to uh, to to join us on this episode. Welcome, Bobby. Thanks again, guys. <laughs> so, Bobby is an admin for Pittsburgh Whiskey Friends. Yes, and one of the I mean, basically, you guys, the, the admins. When I say admins, you, know, you guys were the founders. Basically, like Aaron started, it and you guys kind of like were there, right, at the beginning with him, right? Absolutely. He had a couple people in before we got there, mm-hmm. but then once we all became a part of it, that's when it really turned into a club and less mm-hmm. of a Facebook group. Yeah. So that was a big step when we all started getting together on a more regular mm-hmm. basis. And then your other title is because you're part of another group. Mm-hmm. You are, what would we say it was a bourbon specialist? Oh, yeah, that? I get to be a bourbon specialist for the Whiskey Enthusiast website, yeah. which is like part of the larger Facebook group, uh, mm-hmm. WBSE, the Whiskey yeah. Bourbon and Scotch Enthusiasts. It's funny when you see like other groups you're in; they're all part of that too, and it's kind of funny right. seeing like, oh wait, you know what this is? I know what this is. Like that's you know because I don't think I would know. What WBSE was, right? If I didn't know you, right? Which for those of you at home, if you don't remember, Zach, Bobby, and I all went to college together. We're all in the same fraternity together, so mm-hmm. this should be this should be a fun episode. Shenanigans, shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bobby, um, how'd you get into whiskey? Give us your bourbon journey. It, bourbon journey is a good way to put it, too. Um, <laughs> Because I do love it so much. <laughs> but what I would say is that, like most of us, I started with the Wild Turkeys and the Jack Daniels and the Ezra Brooks and mm-hmm. mostly things under $20, things that were affordable for college kids. Yeah. Things that you could sit around and drink a bottle and not feel bad about when you only made $10,000 a year. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, from there, I kind of, I just stayed on Wild Turkey for a while. It was a cheap one, it was one that I, I had always enjoyed. I had always liked Maker's Mark. And then about five years ago on Valentine's Day, my wife got me a bottle of Jefferson's Reserve. And I had one drink, and I had to run out to the kitchen and look at the bottle, and I found out it was a bourbon. And what happened was I searched back through, and I realized I'd always liked bourbon. And that was kind of that, – that was what opened the, the can of worms for me. I had mm-hmm. to fall into that rabbit hole at that point. And from there, I was blown away by the fa- by the flavors and mm-hmm. something that – Zach and I were talking about earlier, it just happened almost immediately. I never had to search. I never had to think about it. I never had to really look for yeah. those notes. They were just naturally there, and uh, I I had to find other people. I had to search people out, social mm-hmm. media, friends, someone else to talk about whiskey in this manner. Mm-hmm. And one funny thing is that I'd always thought that it was actually flavored. I thought they put cherries in there, tobacco in there, caramel in the actual hmm. whiskey, and when I found out that it was just esters and vanillins and tannins, I I was totally lost. I thought that has to be you're lying, right? <laughs> you know, <laughs> this has to be a flavored drink of some kind. And 
then I was even more lost and had to taste more things. And after about 200 or so bourbons now, <laughs> I feel like I know a decent amount. Specialist might be a strong word. But... <laughs> well, well, on I... this show, you are certainly the most experienced of the three of us. Yeah. So, so specialists so... will be used frequently this evening, I believe. Yeah. Winning. This, or um, this morning, I suppose. Scott came on because Scott brought us we, – we worked on like – the nosy notes. Nosy <laughs> yes. notes. The nosy notes with Scott and and Bobby. We're having him on here to actually work with tasting notes because Bobby, if you've never read any of his reviews or have never sat and had a glass of whiskey with him, his tasting notes are out of this world. He's like, like a wizard. We're gonna look like we don't even know what whiskey is when Bobby starts describing tasting What's notes. The drink. I never there. had a drink yeah. before. <laughs> so we brought him on to try to help us with our mouthy taste. With our mouthy mouthy taste. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Bobby, do you have a favorite bourbon? There you go. Uh, I would say yes, I do have a favorite bourbon. Can it's I probably, inquire? Probably Booker's. Yeah? Um, even though I was just complaining about the price increase. I think we all simply complain about price increases. Mm-hmm. No one's ever like, you know, my favorite thing went up, and I love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm so thrilled. <laughs> I can't wait to spend more money. Yeah. Yeah, but I um I tend to like higher proof. Yeah. 107 is usually about as low as I want to go. Okay. Okay. Um. But Booker's sits in the 125 to 129.9. Oh, heavens. I've never seen it go over 130, though older expressions did before they started putting the stickers on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Elijah Craig's one of my favorites. It usually sits about 125 to okay. 140. So those are some of my favorites. And it's not bourbon, technically, but the Jack Daniels Single Barrel Barrel Proof is another great one that really keeps its proof up high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's always available here in Pennsylvania, so it's nice. one that I've kind of fallen in love mm-hmm. with. The first time I had that one at... We did it. Yes, tour we were together. Yeah. I thought we were together when we were at the whiskey convention downtown. Oh yes, oh yes, we had it there. No, I you mean had it before. I had it before. We did the Jack Daniels tour. Okay, last not this past March, but the previous March, so last year, um, and we did the Angel Shares. We got like the more select ones, and one of the ones we mm-hmm. had that I really enjoyed. It was my second favorite of the lineup we had was the the single barrel barrel or you know barrel proof. Yes, um, the first was I liked the Sinatra one. I just I liked the. The little notes too, but that had the extra little like smoky, oaky notes that that one had. It just kind of edged. Plus, I love Sinatra, so that was kind of like. But I also wasn't dropping one hundred and fifty dollars on that Fair. bottle. So. Fair. Yeah, <laughs> understandable. I gotta really like something if I'm gonna spend one hundred and fifty dollars mm-hmm. on. Have you done anything to to better your tasting notes? I have, and in a lot of ways, it's usually just sitting and kind of taking it in. Mm-hmm. One thing I think a lot of people find when they read notes is. Well, how did you get this? How did you come up with mm-hmm. that? Uh, that's not real. You, you're you're making this up. And what they miss is how much time you're putting into doing it. Right. You're really going through a process. You're mm-hmm. smelling it. You're swirling it. You're taking a sip. You're taking a drink of water. You're coming back to it. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there with this glass that you might have let sit out for 10 or 20 minutes before you even start to drink it. So you're, you are searching. And mm-hmm. I think when you sit down to drink a glass that you're going to review – it's far different than if you were just sitting down to pass a bottle around the campfire with your buddies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, a big thing is the glasses. If you use a fluted top glass, whether that be a regular Glencairn or a Canadian Glencairn, I think those things can really help a lot with nosing and mm-hmm. taste. You don't think about how much your nose really helps for yeah. tasting. And if you have a glass that's not going to really like build up those tastes and flavors If you're just smells, sitting with like a rocks glass or something. Right. Yeah. You might just miss that. Mm-hmm. Also, to really review, you can't you can't be 
adding much ice you, right. ever. I would never add ice if I was going to review it. You can mess with water and dilution because mm-hmm. that does – there's a chemical process that goes on there that will yeah. change things. But uh, I think too often people think you walked in, you grabbed a bottle, you put it to your mouth, and you just started spouting stuff. And that's really not the case. I mean, can you get <laughs> notes just drinking it right from the bottle? Sure, you can get something. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to really lay out a full page of details right. on what it tasted like. Yeah. It's more of a process. Yeah, it's not like you, you, you picked the bottle you wanted to review or write a review for on WBSC, you, and you just sat and you were like, one sip, and you're like... I'm going to write this entire page of, no, like you're, yes. like you're saying, you're there, you're taking time. I mean, are, do you ever like, do you do it in one sitting or do you, have you gone like back a couple of times I to try it before back. you finished? What I find is getting, if you get a sample and mm-hmm. most people in the whiskey world know about samples yeah. with one and two ounce samples. Mm-hmm. And if I get a two ounce sample, I can usually review it in about an ounce, but that's pressure. There's a lot of pressure to figure mm-hmm. out how you feel in such a small amount of whiskey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a bottle and you got to see it change as you finished that bottle, by the end of the bottle, you can give more of like an expert opinion on mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. You've been through the ups and downs with it. You've really seen how it grew and how it changed and how you grew and how you changed. And mm-hmm. by the end, you can say like where it fits better in the whiskey world. And uh, so I prefer to have a little bit more, but usually about two ounces is enough for me to make a pretty fair okay. assessment. Cool. Right on. Right on. What about <laughs> you guys? How much do you like to have when you're making an assessment? Oh. Well, we usually when we're doing a show, yeah. we don't pour a lot. Unless we're doing like just a basic review. Like when we have a guest on and everything, we're going through multiple different <laughs> samples. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we're pouring like... Like when you're at a distillery and they're like, here, try this, like samples. You know what I mean? So I'd like to see if we could make a word here, make a term. Okay. okay. And call it a vapor pour. When you just pour enough in there that you can get some of the flavors, some of the right, notes. Let's call it that then. A vapor pour. A I vapor like that. vapor pour. Yeah. I like that. So that's kind of what we usually do. Now, if we're just doing, I'll, I'll pour probably about, I don't really sit there and measure it out with like right, a jig no. or nothing, but probably about an ounce. I don't get too, too crazy with like, you know, all the way up, but just, yeah. just enough because normally, when we're doing regular shows, yeah, it's after work, mm-hmm. and it's either my house or his house, and one of us is going to drive home. Right. So, yeah, yeah, we don't do nothing crazy. There's a lot of space. I cut out a lot of blank space in the episodes where yeah. we're just sitting here thinking um, about what it tastes like, how about it what we ha- or the process of us actually like sitting there and sniffing it like three or four times before yeah. we actually like say something. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually cu- I cut out a lot of that dead space in there because it okay. would just be super super boring episodes yeah. if we just had all that <laughs> how was the latest space. episode quiet <laughs> real quiet yeah, i mean i went from, i went from two hours and 25 minutes with scott down to, under two hours thoughts. basically just cutting out blank spaces uh-huh. mm-hmm. so yeah. there you go right there you know mm-hmm. um i know also though that since like we're more new to the scene mm-hmm. that our reviews tend to be more of a what are your initial thoughts Kind of a thing. Yeah. Kind okay. of a, a kind of very review. basic. You know, it's it's very basic. It's very much like, is this something that you want to drink with your friends around the campfire mm-hmm. at home? Mm-hmm. Is this something you want to drink at the bar? Or is this something that it's just such garbage at the beginning that you don't even want to spend time with it? Yeah. Right. You're, kind of you're a done thing. with that. So, yeah. yeah, we aren't quite advanced enough, I think, to mm-hmm. really get the in-depth reviews. But we mm-hmm. like to kind of – it's almost like a layman's review. Yeah. You Which know? is why well, – I mean, that's why we started the show. Because exactly. we want to get – uh, away from that mm. not that that's bad but like no. we want to just progress ourselves mm. and i think and it's, i think it's gotten better since the first review I think like the I've first review better. it was just kind of like yes that is whiskey well the first <laughs> review in all 
honestly, we had the tasting notes up from like breaking bourbon. Yeah. And uh-huh. I was just like, I was just reading. I was like, yeah, okay, I get that. No, you know what I mean? So just the to power make, of suggestion. Just, yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. So. But now we like to just kind of see, you know, what does it spark in us? Because that's another uh-huh. thing I've kind of, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, because you have a lot more experience with this, but something that I've kind of come to find is that like there are definitely notes that you can pick up on regardless of who you are in a bourbon but then there are also certain notes that are just so subjective mm-hmm. based on your flavor memory absolutely mm-hmm. and your your um your, your smell memory mm-hmm. um that something that might taste like i don't know mint to one person another person might not get that at all but they might get something entirely different just because they are really picking up on a smell that takes them back to to their childhood or to I don't know an, an event mm-hmm. in their life that made an impression. Mm-hmm. So just the profile can change entirely from person to person because I, I, that's something I actually think I really like about bourbon is mm-hmm. it's kind of a very personal drink that way. And I didn't realize that at first, like until we started, like until we started doing this, and I started really paying attention to like other people's notes and like what other people were saying. I was just like, oh wow, like you literally can get. Like you and me, we usually agree. Yeah. But again, we're still figuring this out. So we're getting a lot of those initial initial notes. But like we're already starting to like – I think – I forget what it was. But you picked something out with one of the ones that Scott gave us. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I don't get that at all. And I'm, I'm OK with that. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Kind of like I wasn't like, oh, like why don't you – know, that's you because that's something that you – you know, it triggered a memory. Yeah, it triggered a memory for you. Mm-hmm. That was with me with um, the Michaels comment with yeah. the, uh, the malt – Mm-hmm. Nosy bottle. Mm-hmm. Was it just? It just smelled like a like a Michaels. Like we used to. My mom was crafty. And my grandmother was crafty. So we. I always would end up in a Michaels or a Joan Fabrics or something like that, buying stuff with them. And uh, that's exactly. That's exactly where I went. Yeah, you know, like you said. Yeah. yeah. But you touched on those memories a little bit, and I think that's an important thing. I can't remember the exact line you guys were using last week with Scott, but uh, when you taste something and it takes you back and mm-hmm. it takes you to a memory, something mm-hmm. that you've had. If you've never tasted something, you can't compare something right. to that. Exactly. So if you've never had black licorice, you don't really understand when people are talking about anise, like mm-hmm. the anise seed and where that flavor is coming from. Mm-hmm. You just – it's spicy to you. Yeah. If, if you've never had something, it's very hard to describe it. So I think that that's, that's a pretty important thing to touch on. Mm-hmm. People yeah. that have a larger diet that, that eat more varieties of foods – can make those connections. Mm-hmm. Alexander's a good example. Yeah. yeah. He understands umami spice a lot. He understands a lot of different spices. So he can call them out in an amount of detail that will blow most people's minds. And they think, well, well, how'd you get that? That's his experience. Right. He's mm-hmm. trying to dictate his experience to you. And I think as you see more of a commercial review, like many of us move towards as you start doing it for like a website, mm-hmm. is that you use the notes, you use the words that they give you from the industry, and yeah. those words make more sense to most people. Right. If mm-hmm. I really break it down and I'm like, you know, it's Bath and Body Works, Peppermint, Candy Cane. Like, if you've never yeah. smelled that, you I'm just know. talking nonsense Yeah, to yeah, you. yeah. Mm-hmm. They're thinking you made it up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you get that a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's something I think that would be really cool. That's, that's, that's kind of a, a cool misconception to dispel is that, like, mm-hmm. no, really, like, people do pick up on this. Like, bourbon is such a... Mm-hmm. And in like, it can be drank universally, but it's such an individual drink to the people who are drinking it. Mm-hmm. And when you yeah. find somebody that finds those weird notes, like you do, like you were saying, you were like, I need to search other people yes. out. This. When you finally find that, it's just like, oh my god, okay, like this is awesome. Like you mm-hmm. know, which if you if you're alone on it, there's nothing wrong. But it is no. there is that like 
It's a, it's another moment of human connection. Yes. Thank it's you. something that we all crave. We crave connection. That's mm-hmm. part of what makes us people, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and, and I think that's one of the really cool things about bourbon is that this is a drink that is really best when it's shared. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Compare, contrast. You you learn about I each mean, other. Most... You learn about past experiences. You can share stories. Oh, this is why I got this note. This is why I got that note. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's great that way. And with me, like, I don't really drink i don't like bring a bottle upstairs and have a glass or something like randomly during the night you know here like in the evening after work it's usually i'm at a bar or i have Mm -hmm. you or what we're doing a show or something like when people are here that's when i'll I'll have more like Mm -hmm. i just don't want i don't know it's just me i just don't sit and have one yeah yet (laughs) and i'm so excited about today because i'm so excited to learn from bobby Absolutely. About these tasting notes that, yeah, like, yeah. right now, because right now a lot of it is, it's like, I don't know what I'm getting, but there's mm-hmm. kind of a leatheriness to it, or, or not, not mm-hmm. even leathery, because mm-hmm. I know that leather is a, a scent you can pick up, but like, I might not know what that smells like, but I'm getting kind of like an earthy kind of thing, or some, or spicy. Yeah, right. I might not know that's coming from the licorice, but it is like a spice to it. And I do want to know what is, what is that rooted in? You know, those smells will take me back to a certain memory, but I want to be able to say more than this reminds me of my grandma's kitchen. Right. Why mm-hmm. does it remind you of your grandma's mm-hmm. kitchen? Uh-huh. It reminds me of my grandma's <laughs> kitchen. <laughs> when you mentioned that, a lot of the things that, that we work with on the flavor wheel is yeah. so that we're all – it's almost like another language. We're all learning to speak the same language. You know, if you're speaking Mandarin and I'm speaking English, we might agree, but neither of us know that. Mm-hmm. So once we all start speaking in the mm-hmm. same language, I think then it, it makes a little bit more sense. Mm-hmm. Your butterscotch might not be my butterscotch. Mm-hmm. So understanding that I'm going for like a Werther's original and you're going for like a grandma's candy, mm-hmm. that's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And, and can we meet somewhere in the middle and just call it butterscotch? Maybe. Eventually. <laughs> Eventually, yeah. Yeah. Which would then be really cool because it's like, oh my goodness, we're sharing this experience, we're sharing this flavor, but we also have very unique memories to the flavor. Yes. So mm-hmm. it's, it's just like bourbon, it's so layered. Yes, it is. There's a lot of layers to it. And I think mm-hmm. a, a little bit of a layer, you know, kind of kind of going off of the taste a bit. But many people get into drinking and they're not ready for the amount of alcohol that mm-hmm. comes in like a neat whiskey. Mm-hmm. And I think when you talk about did you did you train, did you do anything to make yourself better, you have to drink more and you have to work on how you drink too. Mm-hmm. If it's straight bottle to gullet, that's not going to get you much. It's right. got to go over your tongue. You've got to be able to take the heat. Mm-hmm. Can you stand this resting in your mouth without you dying? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a big one for a lot of people, too. You'll see those that just want to drink a lot, and they'll just chug their whiskey, or they'll do it like a shot. And it's like, well, yes, you're not going to get the same yeah, dose that I'm going to get. Straight, yeah. No, you're going to get the hairspray, because yeah. that's all that's touched your mouth. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Yeah. I, I mean, that's, that's what anyone that's not, or trying to get into whiskey or or someone's trying to get them in the whiskey and they don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. they'll just go oh you know they'll make that face you know like i always try to get my dad to try something he'll try <laughs> stuff he doesn't normally like it but he just like oh, you know because i'm probably not presenting it to him in the in the proper way like like with me like i got in the whiskey through mixed drinks mm-hmm. that's something you know what i mean yeah. um mostly i say mixed drinks mostly just bourbon and ginger ale but you know yeah. but that's kind of was One like my inch and then and then slowly like the ginger ale started coming back then it was just like ice mm-hmm. and now it's like you know in a glen karen or whatnot um yeah. or rock whatever they serve well, you at the bar you know if they don't have glen karens or whatnot yeah it's 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 a lot like really uh, i don't know personally maybe this was in everyone's experience for me it's a lot like uh, a lot of drinking coffee okay you you start mm. you start off mm-hmm. with your 
caramel macchiatos and, and all these other kind of like very sugary, very, we're trying to mask the flavor of coffee, but you still, since you're new to coffee, you get that, that coffee flavor. Okay. I start to adjust to that flavor. So now I'm just going to do it with cream and sugar. Okay. I don't quite need as much sugar and cream. Okay. Now I'm just doing sugar. Now I'm drink, and truly now I drink my coffee black. Right. I used to be the go out and buy the mocha chocolate creamer from that last 20 years because this is not actually cream. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like that used to be me. And now it's just kind of like coffee black. Thank you. I love your use of the word mask there. I think that that's important in whiskey too. A lot of people will will use ice, and mm-hmm. and ice isn't bad. Water in your whiskey does. There's a there's a chemical change that's going on, but anything cold is going to dampen flavor. Mm-hmm. So something like ice might make it easier for you to drink it, mm-hmm. but it's changing what it really was meant to be mm-hmm. when when you got it. Mm-hmm. And I think for masking too, you kind of had to build up that tolerance that I was touching on, and once you have that tolerance, then you can get a little bit more of the flavors. You can really taste the coffee. Like you're yeah. saying, I don't add cream. Yes. Now you really are just tasting the coffee. You're not tasting the cream. You're not tasting your, your extra creamer that you tossed in. Right. And I think that's kind of a big deal when you're really caring about the notes, when you're caring mm-hmm. about uh, almost in a purist way. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you become more of a purist. And not everybody does. Mm-hmm. Some people still love their, their whiskeys and Cokes and mm-hmm. more power to them. I mean, but what's something I realized from – after starting to drink whiskey and bourbon neat is that I've had ones neat. And then I've, for some reasons like, you know what? I'm going to put a couple ice cubes in this mm-hmm. and I, I hate it. It's horrible. It doesn't taste right to mm-hmm. me. You know, uh, same with when I do like bourbon and ginger ale. It's like, I'll go back to, uh, n- normally now I do makers and ginger ale mm. for a long time. I did bullet and ginger ale. Now that's the bullets, a whole different story, but now I'll go back to that and I can't drink it because it mm-hmm. tastes horrible to me yeah. now. You know what I mean? So you definitely like change. Like once you start understanding what's happening, uh, everything starts changing for you when, in, when you're trying, when you think you knew what right. you liked and you go back yes. to that and you're like, Oh God, I drank this. Like, yeah. You know? Oh yeah. Well, it's like, uh, when I was like in high school, my like favorite drink was like Mountain Dew, all the caffeine, mm. all the, you know, all of the green. Yeah. And now like, I'll have a Mountain Dew and I'll be like, holy sugar, Batman. Yeah. I've tried to you go know? back to it sometime. I'll have like one, like if we're at like a party or something that it's like, oh, you know, I could take a glass. And then it's usually like halfway through. I'm like, I'm done. Mm-hmm. That was enough. Because <laughs> it's not just your understanding of the drink that evolves. It's it's like what Bobby said. Like your palate is mm-hmm. also evolving mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. And it is. And that changes every few years. I think it's always fun to, after mm-hmm. you've been in whiskey for a while, like you're saying, go back and try something that you used to really like. Because we do. We have these preconceived notions about what we're going to like. You've seen it in a situation or you saw somebody have a really cool bottle. Mm-hmm. And then you try it and you don't have much to compare it to. So you think, well, that was really good. And then you go back and you're like, well, wait a second. That's like worse than the last eight i just tried mm-hmm. and you start to to build that up and mm-hmm. you start to see like what you really like and what you really didn't which care is for. that's where i was at mm-hmm. before we started the show was i was just like i enjoyed everything i had i didn't have the collection that i have now but i enjoyed everything i had because i didn't know because i wasn't sitting them i wasn't having two or three different ones at a sitting you know which is why when we started we did the um the control Mm-hmm. You know, so we had something to compare it to. So it wasn't just one specific whiskey every mm-hmm. show. Yeah. And yeah, that's totally like changed like my view. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
Yeah. You, for, I know for like for me, like I still enjoy Makers. It's still a great for me. Like mm-hmm. it's a great go to. Mm-hmm. But then I tried even something just as different as going to the forty six. Yeah. And now I I I I know that while I still do enjoy Makers and I'll still drink it if I'm mm-hmm. if I have the choice between Makers and Makers forty six, I'm going to go forty six because right. I think it has a more robust pl- mm-hmm. fl- flavor profile. Mm-hmm. And do you find that you guys have certain drinks at certain places? Like when I go out to uh, like if it's not a specific whiskey bar, okay. My drink is a Maker's and Ginger Ale. Or if it is more of a whiskey bar, I'll, I'll expand. You know, mm-hmm. I'll try different things, especially stuff that I don't have here. Um, do you guys have any, like, go-tos? I mean, Zach, you kind of just said that. But, like, if you go out. For me, when I go out, I, I always like to look over the shelves. And I think for all of us nerds, we've gotten really good at just glancing at a shelf and mm-hmm. knowing what bottles you have without anybody yeah. saying much. Mm-hmm. Um, my first thing I always look for is do you at least have a Knob Creek? Mm. Yeah. Um, do you have something around 100 proof? Maker's Mark doesn't ever disappoint me. If I'm out somewhere and I can get a glass of Maker's Mark, mm-hmm. I'll usually take it. Mm-hmm. But when I go, I'm usually looking at your prices for bookers. Mm. And uh, that's that's the one that I'll go for. So I've started like picking where I go, mm-hmm. where if my mm-hmm. wife wants to go out to dinner, I'm like, I don't know if I like that place because it doesn't have the drink that I want with dinner. <laughs> And uh, starting to pick my places around yeah, the yeah, city yeah. Right. with their selections. So, mm-hmm. like, when I go in, I'm definitely looking for that squat Knob Creek bottle because that kind of tells me you guys care a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't mind the Woodfords. I don't mind the Maker's Marks. Yeah. Those are all yeah. pretty acceptable That's, for me. It's talking about the, the bar can, I've definitely yeah glancing one. over at bars or, or trying to peek behind, like, you know, their actual, like, their well section or whatnot if they don't have a display. Mm-hmm. I It is funny when you see, like, oh, they – they just they just want to sell drinks like they they have Jim Beam which I, I don't mind Jim Beam like a Jim Beam and ginger ale you know but that's their but whiskey. if that's what the is behind the bar is just like a Jim Beam and a Jack then I know that I'm just having Jim Beam and ginger ale yeah you know or if they have a mm-hmm. makers because that's kind of usually they don't standard. often get that's when I get those ones yeah but like you're saying if I see a Elijah Craig mm-hmm. or a Knob Creek yes know, like. I mean, even even a Woodford sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. depending on which one it is. Even if they have, a, like, you're right, Bobby. They do. You see, you see that they kind of care, and they're trying to to appease that customer base as well. And then, if they have pappies, you shit your pants. <laughs> <laughs> and lose your mortgage for the month. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. How much is that for a pour? Oh, eighty dollars. Yes, I'll have the Knob Creek, please. <laughs> yeah. I know. I, I like when we were at um. Oh, what the heck's that one called? The big one. Butcher. Butcher. I like just for shits and giggles looked at the price of Pappy and it was like 120 mm-hmm. for an ounce and I was like, right. ah, no, thank you. Ooh. I think she'll kill me. Have you guys had the Pappy experience? Yet? I haven't, uh-uh. and that's something that's on my bucket list. Okay. Uh-huh. I really yeah. want to have Pappy. I almost. I was this close. This oh, so this past winter. My brother and I had the opportunity to uh, go up to New York just for like a 24-hour trip, got tickets to an off-Broadway show, um, and we were in Greenwich Village and just found this little, quiet, unassuming bar, tavern. It was called One If By Land, Two If By Sea. Okay. This is the coolest bar I've ever been into. Guy playing jazz on the piano, real fire in the fireplace, low lit, get up to the bar. I'm looking at their whiskey selection. I'm seeing like Elijah Craig, Knob Creek, Woodford Mm -hmm. Reserve. Jefferson's Reserve, three different bottles of Pappy. Okay. And I was just like, 
how much for a pour of the pappy? And she's like, well, for the 12 year, it's like $60. And for like the 15 year, it's like $70. And then for the uh, 18 year, it's like $80, $90 for a pour. And I was like, that's when I was like, Bob Creek, please. (laughs) But I was, I honestly, like I sat there and she just Mm -hmm. stared at me for a solid minute and a half while I did the math as to like, can I afford to to do this? You can, but you're not doing anything else that trip. Sometimes I still think back to it and think to myself, maybe I should have just spent the money and gotten the yeah the ounce pour. Mm-hmm. That's um. So in the nerd world, one of the big things to know is that they only consider the fifteen, the twenty, the twenty-three, and the twenty-five pappy. Okay. Those have the pappy word right on the bottle, whereas the ten and the twelve, those are just like Rip Van Winkles. Okay. Yeah. So um, I was lucky enough to win the twelve year in our PA, you know, our oh, lottery. Oh, lottery. Yeah. And um, I got it, and I I opened it immediately and went to try it. And, you know, it is it's really good, and I think it would be a solid whiskey at a hundred dollars. It'd be a nice choice for us to have. Mm-hmm. Is it really worth a hundred dollars? Up in the air, you know, yeah. up in the air. Maybe, maybe it is. Right. Is it worth what we're seeing on the secondary six, seven, eight, nine hundred? I would never. Yeah. I mean, I, I could never imagine paying that and then getting it and thinking. I feel like I made a sound investment. <laughs> um, yeah. But I've been able to try the, the 12-year and the 20-year. So, And the 20-year was a nice kick up. But once bourbon starts to get over about 12, 15 years, hmm. it can get pretty tart. The tannins start to shine through almost okay. like wine, and it gets a little bit bitter. Uh, okay. And uh, I'm not a huge fan of that. I mean, if you had Pappy 20 right now, like, here, have a glass, I'd definitely say yes. But... It's not one of those things. After you have it, it's kind of like, oh, like you're lifting the veil on whiskey. Gotcha. And you're really seeing that a lot of it is the hype. Right. Yes, it's really good, too. But is any whiskey really worth a couple grand for a bottle? Right. And I think that's – you have to start looking at life like that. Maybe, I don't know, if, this... you, if you make 500000 bucks, maybe it's acceptable. But right. for the rest of us, I didn't, I didn't think that it jumped to what I expected. Right. Maybe that was my fault for having it too hyped up in my own head. Mm-hmm. But – that definitely. To be fair, though, I mean, almost how can you not? Right. right? You, you, you. I, I don't know if you guys. Um, f- there's a website called Huckberry, um, that sells like clothes and like a lot of like out- outdoorsman stuff, like like knives and all this. And like, it's all like craftsman stuff. And every, and I think um, every year they have a a pappy giveaway where okay. you have to sign up for a lottery, and one person out of whoever signs up is going to win a bottle of like of pappy of like the 18 year pappy mm-hmm. and they're like this has been valued at five thousand dollars on, on the secondary and mm-hmm. you know there are multimillionaires who can't get their hands on on this bottle because it's so rare and yada 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 so like it's hard not to have your your standards up here right because that's the mythos it's surrounding putting, putting it, it out right there, like yeah. that's part of I, th- I think part of the reason it is able to sell as high as it does is because of the marketing mm-hmm. and the story, mm-hmm. you know, they're selling their story, they're selling their history, and people have decided that it's worth five thousand dollars on the secondary. Right. So the question is, does limited availability equate higher end whiskey, uh, or do you think it's a marketing ploy? Sometimes I think so. I think when it comes to these situations. I bet you that Buffalo Trace isn't sitting around like, you know, we should make Pappy in smaller bottles so that right. everyone gets to try it. Part of the allure is that no one has tried it. Mm-hmm. You know, as soon as you have it and you can compare it to the rest of the whiskeys you've drank, well, then it has a place. It has a mm-hmm. place in there. Right. When you've never had it, though, 
its place as if in the heavens and above the stars, you know, you're like, this is going to be so great. It's going to be like angels will sing when I take a drink. Mm -hmm. And then you come back to reality and, and that it's good whiskey. Mm -hmm. But was it worth all the hassle and the hype? Maybe a little bit. Would it be cool to brag to your friends? Absolutely. It's a fun thing to like show off to people. Oh yeah, I have this. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think the reason that it does so well and that it's still so mythical yeah. is it because nobody, nobody's had it. Right. Who's going out to the bar and dropping $80 on a single glass? Right. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, it kind of keeps the, the legend going. Yeah. That does help, I, I, I can imagine. Mm-hmm. Now, Obviously. So, 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 so you've, you've had the Pappy. Would you still say that it, it – does it even crack your top five? We're already getting a little controversial with this episode. Let's, let's keep it going. No, I don't think it does. Okay. No. All right. It'd be close, though. It, okay. It's, I mean, it's up there, and as far as the unique profiles, it's nice to have something that old. Sure. But um, I, did you guys get to try the Rhetoric 25 with Scott? Yes. Yeah. No. Okay. Did, did we? Yeah, it was the 25. Okay. Something yeah, because he said ages. if they, they haven't come out with anything more unless they're coming out with a 26 this year. Gotcha. So, yeah, it was the 25. Okay. Once you get up to a certain age, I'd put, like, Elijah Craig 18-year up in this area, too. Um, there's a lot of profiles that are similar because of the amount of time it's been in contact with the wood okay and i think certain people have just a preference Mm -hmm. if you're someone that really likes a tartar more oily whiskey Mm -hmm. then you're going to love the old stuff right but i like some of the youthfulness Mm -hmm. of the the six to twelve year range i like my stuff to to have a little bit more flair i don't know maybe i'm just not quite there yet i need more time drinking the more expensive and the older stuff but for me, I would say it's probably around 10 somewhere out of the mm-hmm. few hundred I've had. Sure. Cool. So, still good. Mm-hmm. I like that we're talking about I mean, it's still something to this. obtain. Yeah. No, definitely. You know what I mean? Now, when you do obtain it, it doesn't mean that it's going to jump right up to number one. You know? Right. right. Yeah. Like you said, Bobby, it's going to put, it's going to have its own place in your, in your, you know, your collection. Right. And whatnot. Whether it's just, you know, something you break out every once in a while. So it may not be in your top five, top 10. Sure. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a display bottle. It's going to be sure. one that you bust out when you, you know, special occasions, special occasions. and whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. which is nothing wrong with that. It's I just thought that was an interesting question about limited availability because I've seen other ones. Where I think it's that's like a great question. Limited availability, and it's like, well, does this, does this mean not with like Pappy or B Tech or right. those, but just like some of these random ones? Like, what does it? I mean, is is it really like? Yeah. No. Okay, that's... it's limited availability. Does that mean I need to upcharge it? I don't know. That's Is something going to be should talk about. high end. I don't know. You know what I mean? I think one. Of, let me pull Scott's notes out. One of them didn't he give us like a limited availability something? I think there? he did. There were a couple where we tried it and we were like, "That's delicious," and he was like, "You can't get it anymore." And I was like, "Oh, oh it was the the Knob Creek Cast Strength Rye 2018 Limited Edition." Yeah, yeah. it was good. Yeah, but is it like? Oh my god! I need to. You know. I will do Is what it I good have because to do. it says will... limited availability, or is it good because the whiskey's good? Right. You know. And I think I think honestly that's something that is kind of cool that you know we can talk about on the show with Bobby and like with everyone else that we've, mm-hmm. we've discussed with is it kind of is like lift the veil a little bit mm-hmm. because like yes there is a certain mythos to, to whiskey and, and bourbon and scotch and all that sort of stuff which is deserved but I think mm-hmm. there's also a certain amount of hype that is I don't know just that hype yeah you know and it's kind of cool to be able to say like look if you had the chance to try Pappy. Go for it, mm-hmm. but manage your expectations. You know, go into it knowing you're about to have whiskey. You're not about to have something that somebody dipped into the water that once held the Holy Grail or whatever. Right. 
I think that's a you make an excellent point there. Like just rein in your expectations a little bit. Enjoy it for what it is. Don't expect it to be something else. Just mm-hmm. enjoy what you're drinking and and have some fun with it. And I think a lot of that gets lost when you're dealing with Pappy mm-hmm. having fun with it. Right. I mean, if somebody watched a video of a guy pouring Pappy 15 into a glass of Coke, they lose their mind. Oh yeah. Well, that's <laughs> his bottle. Let him do what he wants. Why do you even care? Right. If that's how he wants to drink it. That's how he wants to drink it. Mm-hmm. But people do lose their mind. And also, I think because Pappy is one of the biggest names in bourbon. Anybody who goes to a whiskey store who has a decent amount of money and they're like, oh, well, I'm just going to get the glass of Pappy for 150 bucks. Okay. And you try it and you have nothing else to compare it to. And you go out spouting nonsense. This is the best whiskey I've ever had. We've had nine whiskeys. <laughs> and one of them was Pappy. And you just kind of said it's the best ever. And I think that's what really drives that Pappy's the best. Hmm. Um it's really good, but mm. in the end, I think there are plenty of available options on our shelves all the time that keep up. Yeah. There's a lot of free marketing happening with Pappy. <clears throat> Absolutely. In that, in that aspect. I mean, we're doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. Somebody from Pappy may show up at each of our houses and go, you guys want to take that off the episode? <laughs> um, we'll make you sleep for a thousand years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, so uh, Bobby, I see a nice little little stash of of bottles you've you've brought for I'm assuming for us to sh- uh, try and share. Yes. So uh, you want to get in on those? Yeah, I think. Well, I had I had a question for you guys. Okay. Did okay. you want to start with a lower proof? I brought two just to kind of go along because uh, I like Beam a lot. Yeah. So there's a couple yeah. that fit the mash bill. Um, they're all Beam Fritz Bourbons only does one mash bill. Mm-hmm. Huh. So it would be nice to kind of try them at their different proofs and just see how much different they are yeah and i'll kind of consider this like a trial by fire i mean i came in here and i brought some scorching heat (laughs) and we'll just kind of see how you guys deal with this (laughs) um i like that idea of of trying the 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 two beams i do too i haven't had a drink in a minute so i just want to adjust my palate okay yeah that's that's the other thing that's the other reason why i like doing the control because it literally is like a a palate warmer Mm -hmm. where we're not just going straight from water to 120-some proof whiskey. <laughs> Which know? is yes. why, going back to Bobby's original point, if you are new to drinking whiskey and you're not quite getting it at first, that's totally normal and totally fine. Mm-hmm. Your palate needs to adjust. It's a very unique flavor profile, and the alcohol is going to be strong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, and, if, and, 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 and even if you're a person who's like, yeah, man, I, I go out and I crush drinks every weekend with my buddies, it's like, that's great. But do you taste anything that you're drinking? It's mm-hmm. like, you, you know, you could be drinking less over the weekend, but tasting more, depending on how you take your time. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah, no, I just think I think that's such an important thing to consider when you're getting into whiskey is mm-hmm. is really train your palate, really start to just adjust it to that flavor. I mean, I when I started, I was 80, 90 proof. Like I was staying under 100 because anything above that just scared the hell out of me, mm-hmm. you know. And I remember when we were in Nashville, right? Actually, the same day we did the distilleries tour, we mm-hmm. we stopped at a, a Carruthers, we've talked about him on here before, um, in in Franklin, mm-hmm. and uh, Blom Brothers was there. Yeah, and they were doing like a sampling. You yeah, know, the two the 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 brothers themselves were you know they go around and, and do the, the tasting and everything, and I was like, oh yeah, give me the, the cast strength, and they were like, they they poured a little thing, and then. One guy came over with water. He was like, we're going to put a drop of this in here because I don't want you to die. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, yeah, cast strength. Let's try that. Woo! Diving straight in the deep end. So Jim Beam, I think I'm, I don't have one currently. I need to get a regular bottle. But 
that one's going to have like a, a, a fun story with me personally. Okay. So Lisa, she told me that we were going to have a baby mm-hmm. by handing me this, the, the sample size, the, yeah. you know, the one of, uh, of Jim Beam that she got, you know, the little airplane bottle. She like ran through the liquor store like real quick. She like hand. She's like here. I was like I got. She goes. I got this for you. I was like, oh, well, thank you very much. That was very nice of you. Like, what do you want? Like, <laughs> like, what do I need to do? Like, what are you trying to? She goes. Well, I just figured you would need a drink when I told you we were pregnant. So That's I saved amazing. that one. I think is the empty one up there. I don't know what. It's somewhere. I have the empty. I have the empty bottle because I took it to the hospital with me, <laughs> and I had it there. Nice. Like that. The night. Like the night after he was born. That's awesome. And um, but. Just because you pulled out and made me mm-hmm. think of that story, but uh, and that'll always like have a like people can say whatever they want about Beam, whether they like it or they think it's trash or whatever. But I'm all, there's always going to be a bottle here. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, man, that, and that that's goes, part of the fun too. That goes right back that's to the storytelling we were yes. talking about earlier, and how everything, every bottle is so personal to someone for some reason. You know, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that, John. That was awesome. Yeah, I couldn't remember if I said that on here or not. Well, if you did, I enjoyed hearing it. Again. <laughs> I repeat myself a lot. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't know if I've ever had just like straight Jim Beam before. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with that for me. Yeah, I think uh, people get this idea as you have more and more whiskey that you, you come back and you feel better than certain things. Yeah. And what I think really is in my experience that you come back and you appreciate all whiskey more than you used to. You just have a better understanding. It's like you learned to drive a car and now you have a fancy car. Like, I'm really good at this now. What's going to be much more fun for me to drive a Corvette now that I know what I'm doing right. than it would have been if I'd never handled a stick shift before in my life? Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think whiskey touches on some of that, then, that once you know more, I think you can find appreciation for all types. Mm-hmm. Even some of the really bad stuff, you can appreciate it. Right. And in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is pretty soft. Yeah, that was something. That, yeah, on, on, I mean, there's a little, it's, I mean, a little bit of fire on the end. Very short burn though. It's not mm-hmm. like a lingering burn, but it is really soft on the palate. Like it doesn't, it's not aggressive on the tongue. No. Is there is there a mash? Is there a rye? They are a rye. Yeah, yeah. yeah so that's something wheat. I I feel like we we found out through doing this show is that because we have the the makers with the as the weeder mm-hmm. and the the buffalo trace as the rye mm-hmm. bourbon. Is there not that many? bourbons out there that are like weeded there really aren't no there's not a ton of them that's why it's kind of a big deal when jefferson's did a weeded ocean aged mm-hmm. and um that's one of the special things about pappy and weller i see you have a weller up there oh, yeah um is that weeded is not all that popular i'm not sure exactly why but like makers they use some kind of a red wheat they were trying to remove the bitter oh okay the bitter taste that whiskey can start with mm-hmm. so they searched out wheat to get a little bit of a softer sweeter taste mm-hmm and mm-hmm. I don't, at this point, I think that weeded is nice because it's kind of a back end burn. Mm-hmm. So you can taste it all up front and it's easier for most people to get into. It's going to have sweeter flavors, typically going to go pretty sharp on the cherry. Mm-hmm. And I think people yeah. just, you know, those, those are pleasant flavors. There's no need to complain about that. Whereas the rye can come off more of that black pepper floral mm-hmm. spice. Yeah. And whiskey's already hot because of the proof. Mm-hmm. So if you add in true spice on top of that, I think a lot of people are pushed away. Yeah. Yeah. Whiskey, rye is almost like the IPA of whiskeys, I think. Mm. I can see the comparison. You know, how with, a, with, a, with an IPA, it's hoppier, there's more bitterness to it, it's a little bit more of a bite while you're drinking it. 
and I tend to get that with, mm-hmm. you know. Which is funny because you're rice. an IPA fan. I'm an IPA fan, but it's but, taken me some work to get used to the yeah. rise. And you're a but rye fan, you, and you're not you crazy jump, about the IPAs. Right. Did you jump right into IPAs, or did you work yourself See, up? See, that's the thing. I worked myself up to IPAs. So I, I started with my lagers. I started with like, – I love my Belgian uh, Belgian wheats. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I don't like, mind a Belgian wheat. I, um, those ones like, I like Blue Moon was my go-to mm-hmm. when I was starting off with beer. And I it's like still – um, still one of my go-tos, which is one of the thing, reasons why I think I love like Maker so much is I like that weeded stuff. But mm-hmm. I will say, once I started getting more into IPAs and then I went back to Blue Moon, it made me appreciate that that tang mm-hmm. that IPAs offered. Just like kind of slowly getting into the rise and then going back to the weeded, I'm slowly yeah. starting to appreciate that slight pepperiness mm-hmm. that rye's offer. Mm-hmm. I still think I prefer a rye bourbon because I do prefer that sweeter 51% corn mm-hmm. versus a straight rye whiskey. I do need that to be cut with the bourbon, or with, with mm-hmm. the corn, the corn mash bill, but I, I'm i starting to appreciate it more yeah. definitely. It makes me wonder how you'd feel about a, a Kentucky or Maryland-style rye, something like a, a Knob Creek or like a Pikesville, where mm-hmm. they use a, a pretty good amount of corn in the mash still, so it keeps the sweetness, but mm-hmm. it's definitely a 51% rye. Okay. Hmm. I'd be curious to try that. Yeah. And I mean, I really like Knob Creek, so I'm always willing to try anything. Well, besides PA, like besides like Western PA, Maryland was one of the other ones that was originally like... The whiskey distillery, yes. like distillers, because they had, the, like you said, the, the Maryland rye. Because like we have the Monongahela yes. rye, Maryland had their own, like how you said, yeah, a little bit sweeter. Mm. They'd have a corn mash in it, whereas um, most of Pennsylvania stuff is high rye percentage. Like, yeah, you're talking over sixty at least. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a nice little warm up. I mm-hmm. mean, what did you guys get? Like, let's let's have a little fun with it. I didn't do anything in full detail here, so I just right. kind of glanced over it, took a couple tastes. So I got it's it's sweet up front. Okay. Yeah. I definitely got that. And there was a a rye slash like floral note kind of in the middle there for me. Again, can't pinpoint it more than than that. But um that just kind of stuck out for me a little bit more than I, I remember. Okay. Last time I had it. Um or with anything else that I've had. Like that that part really stuck out, which I thought was interesting. Because it wasn't like I, – I, you know, I always say like, oh, I taste rye. I usually just taste like either the – like a real spice or like the the alcohol really because I think right. I'm getting the two mixed up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one, there was definitely like a floral like note to there that I, that I enjoyed. Yeah. I don't know flowers, so that's all I can go is floral. <laughs> would you call it rose or would you call it potpourri? Maybe that's what I'm getting is a little bit of rose. Yeah, I'd go it's like a, rose. There's, there's a sweetness to a rose. Okay. There's a sweetness that I get. When I think of a rose, I think of a sweeter smelling flower. Mm-hmm. And I kind of get a little bit of sweetness mm-hmm. on the nose. I, I, I couldn't call it rose, but right. I knew it's I But know if you're going to give me an option between floral. do you think rose or potpourri, I'm right. going to think rose more. That's one of the things I, I think oftentimes when you're trying to really review something, you break it down and you say, okay, well, I get spicy. Well, what kind of spicy did you get? Did, mm-hmm. you, did you get like black pepper spice? Did you mm-hmm. get like a... Uh, a deeper spice from like the char of the barrel was mm-hmm. it was what was it and trying to just break those things down a little more i definitely get the peppercorn yeah in this yeah um i i well i mean i so last night um i just had a really a really nice steak with a um uh, a pepper a green peppercorn cream sauce okay on it. 
and I'm thinking about what I just had last night, and I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about how that steak and this would pair really nicely together because it would really play up the peppercorn in both. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think if I had had a bite of that steak and then taken a drink of this, I would be able to really kind of get the peppercorn flavors out of this whiskey. And there okay. you go again, as what we're back to what we were talking about before. You you were ex- you expanded your your food palette yesterday. Yesterday, you you tried something different, and now you have that memory, mm-hmm. that flavor memory to go back on. Yeah. So, all ties in. It's real life, kids. <laughs> we're not making this stuff up. So, Bobby, when you when you're tasting, I see you have your notebooks and everything. Yeah. But like, what kind of are you just? Writing words or how do sometimes, you like... – Sometimes I write words just to trigger myself. Sometimes I describe the whole experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when I start describing the experience, that's when it gets more into what I understand as people saying that you're making it up. Well, right, because you've never opened a room that had oak furniture in it in a 90-degree day and got that vanilla smell that comes out. Mm-hmm. So uh, that is made up to you. Yeah. You've never had that at all, so you mm-hmm. don't even know what I'm talking about. But lots of times I'll kind of just write it down with words mm-hmm. and then – Almost fluff it later, make it more for like the the reader, right? And then it is just the experience. These mostly are just my notes. I just write down like what I tasted. Mm-hmm. Later, I describe it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, with Beam, when it comes to anything Beam, I like their nuttiness. I think that their whiskey always has a little bit of a peanuttiness to it. Okay. And that peanutty and that vanilla and that just tiny touch of smoke. Mm-hmm. And when I say smoke, I mean like. Someone took a stick and they're twirling it into another stick kind of smoke. Like almost gotcha. when when yeah. a saw cuts the wood, that kind of yeah. smell. Mm. Not like I'm around a fire. It, it's different. No. And just thinking about how those things go together really helps you explain the experience. What? I'm just excited because Bobby talking through that, I went back. I saw, my glass is obviously empty, but I could <laughs> still I could still nose it. I could, just, I could still nosy bottle it. Um Oh yeah, I get and that. now that I'm smelling the bottle again, it is reminding me of a room that has that smoky oak mm-hmm. to it. Like I think about if you walk into the pillbox at Fort Pitt Museum, yes, that old oak, that old timber. It, it's it is there's a smokiness to mm-hmm. it that's not fire; it's age, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's aged wood, and and I'm getting that on the nose now that I need to look for that from your notes. Almost, are you I'm familiar with getting the kiln? Old. Like how uh, mm-hmm. wood is dried. Oh, yeah. I think there's all sorts of different smells that wood will make at different temperatures. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it, it's like when the, the alcohol is in a barrel, it's expansion and contraction is where most of the flavor is coming from in a whiskey. And that stuff happens naturally with the wood, even when it's not interacting with alcohol. Mm-hmm. So if you just smelled wood, like fresh cut from a tree is different than been laying and drying out for 10 or 20 days in a kiln somewhere mm-hmm. or in a shop all stacked up. Mm-hmm. And just those little things, different different notes you can get from the wood because the age and, and where it was. Right. But, yeah, that's uh, – I really like the woody, nutty notes that Beam does. Don't exactly know where they come from. They could be yeast. They could be the barrel. It could be- well, I think Beam does Knob Creek too, right? They do, yes. So when we were – I, I was – Brought that up with with um, Scott last week, and he did say something about. I think he said it's the yeast that they yeah. use. Yeah, and it's a, it's funny too because when you talk about beam, are you guys familiar with Yellowstone Branch or it's Limestone Branch? But Yellowstone is the whiskey that they make. I, I've heard of Yellowstone. No, I've never before. heard of it. Okay, yeah. they do a ninety three proof, and they do like a one hundred or one hundred three proof as well. The one hundred three proof is almost uh, almost a hundred bucks, so it's not something that a lot of people mm-hmm. will get, but. That's Stephen Beam, another relative of Jim Beam. 
Really? And the 20-year master distiller of Heaven Hill was Parker Beam. So, I mean, this stuff's all pretty tightly knit mm-hmm. as far as the bourbon world down yeah. there. I mean, they all razz each other a bit, but they're all on the same team in the end. Mm-hmm. Right. Everyone's just looking to make the best bourbon possible. Right. Right. And they and most of them even appreciate each other's stuff, too. Oh, yeah. So that makes it it's like a fun little community. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you think about if you think of them almost like an artist. Right. Absolutely. Instead of just a business owner, there is an art form to making a good whiskey, a good bourbon. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I'm sure, you know, you at, you talk to any artist or any musician. Do you listen to anyone other than yourself? They're going to, or do you, do you lo- appreciate any paintings other than the ones you make? It's like, obviously I do. How do you think I get better? Right. That's I listen and I observe others. All right. So now we're pouring the, the Jim Beam Black. Yes. So this one's a little bit older, probably somewhere in that four to six year range, though it's not age dated. The mash bill is exactly the same. And the proof, I, pretty sure it's about 10 proof higher thank you bobby so not much no it's only six proof higher but extra aged is still a nice affordable product it's Mm -hmm. about 20 to 25 dollars and uh it should be a little bit more deep than the regular instantly able to pick up on that kind of smoky old wood smell that you had mentioned before is a lot deeper in this one i think absolutely I'm really finding that like to be a very comforting smell. I like how it smells. Yeah. You know? Like this is like freaking sit in front of the fireplace and just sip. So I'm getting a lot of the same okay. tastes. But you're right. They are a little bit more deeper and there's a little bit more, more to robust. it. It's not as... as um, it's, not a, it's not a softer flavor profile so, like thank the other you, that's one. What I was yeah, it's no, not this, soft. This, like this would be the like difference a, between like a pastel how, blue and like an azure blue. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that it's it's a touch more complex. Mm-hmm. It's got more going on there, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing, but just a little bit more of it. Mm-hmm. There's more on the nose. I didn't really get anything on the nose in the regular one. No. Now, what's the age on the regular gym? The regular one's around four years. And this mm-hmm. is a little bit older, like four to six. But they again, they're not age they're not stated, age-stated. so it could be God knows they they could An extra month, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, they could make it out of two year and six year and four year, or just two year, just mm-hmm. four year. Mm-hmm. I get an earthiness to both of them. Okay. Um, I don't really know what what wheatgrass smells or tastes like, <laughs> but there there was almost like a. I'm trying to describe it without knowing what it is. And this is one of the things that's so hard for young whiskey drinkers. So if you go on a farm and you go out in the fields, mm-hmm. take away the smell of cow shit. Okay. <laughs> Manure. Removed. Removed. That kind of earthy smell that you get from the combination of the wheat and the grass and the corn, that very kind of earthy but clean kind of a smell. It's almost like if you took that and turned it into a flavor that I kind of get a little bit on the tongue. It's it's fun that you would say that because I, I go into my finish on this because I do. I have this one actually reviewed, reviewed. So um, I took my time and went through it because we did a share with um, – we were contacted by a woman in the community about holding a whiskey event for her husband's birthday. Right. Oh, I remember nice. Aaron talking about that. And yeah. we were like, well, it's not really what we do. But at the same time, you're just going to like get us all together to have a few drinks and and dinner. Like, I mean, that sounds 
sitting around and talking about whiskey for the evening is kind of what we do. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely think we could get into that. And this was one of the ones that we chose with the Jim Beam Black because mm-hmm. we took him on like a a trip through Beam because that mm. was his favorite whiskey. Nice. And in my finish, I have it. It starts sweet and ends more tart with a freshly shelled peanuts and an earthy, grassy vegetal note. Which is Look at you. Pretty, <laughs> pretty close. And I think that comes from like the corn. Mm-hmm. And paying attention to how corn tastes differ, like cornbread, as opposed to that smell of when you're husking corn. Mm-hmm. Those are two different things, but mm-hmm. it's very much corn. I mean, we both associate mm-hmm. them with corn. Mm-hmm. Corn cereal is also corn. Mm. But uh, just kind of thinking about those things, and then you can make it more specific, and you can make it more like unique to you as you describe things. But really, just trying so many different foods is a, is a big part of it. Yeah. All that to say, this whiskey would pair really well with Cheerios. <laughs> I bet it would. Actually, <laughs> yeah. late at night, I think nothing of eating cereal with my whiskey. Dude, Not, I might have to start that'd trying be, that. That'd like, be pretty good. It's actually pretty good. Like, okay. <laughs> Deal. <laughs> joke joke becomes pockets. life hack. That's, that, that doesn't actually sound terrible. We have some multi-grain Cheerios at home that I'm thoroughly enjoying right now. I think there's some upstairs. I'm not sure. Lisa buys. Should should we start like when we start doing our whiskey tasting instead of like a bowl of pretzels? Do we just have like a bowl of like dry Cheerios that we just <laughs> kind of munch on? I can buy some of that. That's fine. Or kicks because those are kid tested, mother approved. <laughs> yes. Some people really like walnuts. Some people really like like dried cherries and mm-hmm. other things that help kind of cleanse your palate and open that you up a little really bit. Good. Almost like like a like a walnut dried cherry kind of a uh, uh, can have walnuts in this house. Oh, why was that? I can't have them. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm not allergies. The walnuts. Yeah, it's just only weird. walnuts. Only walnuts. I don't get it. It's a rash. It's not like I like you know like it's just like John, I get a rash. Yeah. John, no, this episode just became really exciting. No, I just get a rash all over my stomach. It's weird. Well, let's not do the walnuts yeah. then. But it's been. I always say it's. It was like in high school when I found this out. Oh man! But I haven't had any since, so I'm. I don't want to try it. Try it more I, or less allergic. Yeah, at this exactly. Point. <laughs> Suddenly your face blows up and you're just kind of like, oh no, it's worse. Mm-hmm. It was right. It was very weird. It happened, and it was I had a rash on the front and the back, so like my my chest and my back, uh-huh. right down the middle, and then it spread out like around my stomach. So literally, where like the one that's how I knew it was something I ate. Right, because it was right down the middle of my chest and the middle of my back, and then like where my stomach. So was. just everywhere that the food passed. Yes, <laughs> down the, the gullet weirdest, into the stomach. Weirdest thing. Yeah, this is an outside X-ray of John's insides. Pretty much. Walnuts and that. Walnuts and that. <laughs> that's. That was uh, some great advice. I think Rachel was the one that said to start doing that, right? Hmm. Putting an at at the end. I think she was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rachel was the one who said, like, you should put an at at the end. Mm-hmm. Thank you, dear. <laughs> Love you. They left. All right, so we're going to I know, but she'll jump. maybe hear this episode later. We're going to take a big jump here. Uh, after the extra aged, we're going to go up to the Knob Creek single barrel, which I assume both of you are reasonably familiar with. Thought I saw one over there. What's the Knob Creek you brought over? It's hiding somewhere. Me? Yeah, Yeah, that was fantastic. So these are my... This was the one that I I was... When I originally talked to you, when you were like, Hey, why don't you join Pittsburgh Whiskey Friends? This is the one I I wanted to see if you wanted to review. Okay. So it's a a single barrel. And it's a a pick by a guy from from Nashville. The Bearded Dram, Dan. And um, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think you've had this with me before. No, that was Mike. Never mind. I don't know. Did you have that out when we were over smoking cigars? No, that was this. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I brought. So I have a, another pick from 
the same. I mean, that was one specific guy, but it's from the same like group um, that he's involved in. And uh, this is my 14 year single barrel. Oh, okay, that yeah. was uh, so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are excellent. That's the this whiskey. was the one that like. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm buying this. Like, uh-huh. yes, I'll pay whatever the price was for this. Yeah. And then you realize, like, oh no, they do single barrels. Like, they do Knob Creek single barrels, like, every other month. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I thought this was, like, very, like, which it is rare because it's single barrel. Right. But it was just, like, there's also a big story with this one, too. But mm-hmm. um, Well, that was the whiskey that got me on board with coming on to drink more whiskey. Yeah, because we, <laughs> we told you we were having a kiddo when mm-hmm. I brought this over. Yeah, yeah, you brought that over. We had the kiddo, and that was actually the first time I did a whiskey cigar pairing, and mm-hmm. I thought that was just mm-hmm. so good. It is so good. I think a lot of people, too, that's... Since I have been smoking a lot more cigars, mm-hmm. people think, well, you're smoking this cigar and you're drinking this whiskey and they're going to cloud each other. Well, no, that's not really how it works. It's almost like you're writing with really bright markers and you've been working with white paper and it's not working that well. And then you throw up black paper mm-hmm. and all of a sudden things start to pop out. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of more the experience when you're smoking a cigar if it goes well together. Right. right. Because it will highlight other things that maybe you were missing. Mm-hmm. It'll also mute some of that spiciness that the whiskey comes at you with and allow you to really delve into more of the flavors that yeah. were already there. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of check them out better now. Mm-hmm. I agree. I know I don't – I have my – this is three or you. four. Oh, thank you. Sorry, I was like, wait, I thought I put that away. Um, I have like my three or four cigars that I like, and I don't really like yeah. verge off of that. Like, but I have tried to sit down with them, and I don't smoke them enough. But right, just because with the kiddo now. Yeah, no, I, I don't smoke that often either, just because I'm trying to just like watch my health and everything right now. But every once in a while, every couple of months, I really, and I think one of the things that they pair so well with each other is because both of them are something that require you to sit down and slow down for a minute. Yes. You know? A great time waster, or in, in this case, a time passer. If you're not really wasting time. You're enjoying time. Okay, so there, this is, like, this isn't a single barrel This pick. is this not is a just pick. a single barrel. This is just what Fred No says, this is Knob Creek mm-hmm. single barrel, mm-hmm. and this just kind of goes out mm-hmm. to And their single barrels are typically... Thanks, Bobby. Uh-huh. Nine years? Yes. Yeah. So this is nine years at least. I mean, I guess it could and be is a little it at, bit more, but is it is that one also 120? Yes. Okay. They do that. We actually just did a single barrel pick um, for the Pittsburgh Whiskey Friends, where we went and picked three barrels of Knob Creek single barrel with the Cleveland Bourbon. Co-op. Right. Yeah. I, I and I missed that one. I have I have the book where we went through and tried them all, mm-hmm. and you get to try them at barrel proof. Mm-hmm. So you're right. They came out at. 141, 135, 142, mm-hmm. and we're all sitting around trying these whiskeys, and we all kind of come to the same conclusion. Could we just get them at barrel proof? And they told us that's actually the question that we hear the most, but no, we can't. We right. can't they, do that. They proof every, all of them down to 100. They proof them all down to 100. Which is weird. Why would they let you try it at, at, why wouldn't they let you try it at 120? Well, and you can't Because do that, going cause... from 140 to 120 can be drastically different mm-hmm. absolutely in, in, in the flavor so they do give they bring the water that they'll actually oh, okay. use and then they let you kind of go through and measure it out and try them gotcha. down at the mm-hmm. at the actual 120 so we were only going to get two of the six and then we all kind of liked the third one enough that we were like eh, i guess we're going to get three barrels of this mm-hmm. so here soon we'll probably make a more official announcement but those mm-hmm. will be available and they're only going to be 50 bucks nice. so there's not even an upcharge for them right it's just going to be their regular price which is pretty cool and it's nice when you can do that kind of stuff yeah 
All right, so this is the this is the single, knob single, single barrel. We're at 120 proof. We jumped up, geez, 24 proof, mm-hmm. more 34 proof, yeah. And so this is going to be Solid. a bit more of a Solid. bite. Hmm. So it is. There's way more there. Okay. Because yeah. you got the age on there, definitely. Ooh. You got the spice, or not the spice. Excuse me. You get the little bit of the kick. You you get the hug a lot more. The oh, hug yeah. grows. Now, you said Jim has Jim Beam has one mash bill for his bourbon. Yep. Is this the is it the same? This for is the, the same mash bill. So I was going to say I'm getting that's actually an interesting the, the the how we did that right there, uh-huh. which I'm sure you probably thought that out yeah. beforehand. That was kind of my plan. Yeah, yeah. 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 Is that you went from really like light to kind of medium to very bold mm-hmm. and i'm getting this all the same stuff but just at a different intensity right so i think some of the biggest notes that pop out in knob creek is i find such a nice vanilla there's a very nice vanilla note in there um i think it gets a little smokier too that char like mm-hmm. the outside edges of a nicely grilled meat mm-hmm. but with the wood notes too so it kind of stays sweet instead of going savory Mm-hmm. Like it's its sweetness is there at the front. Same with the the other two. But then it kind of prepares yourself in a way for the the rye, the the smoky. In this one, the smokiness, yeah. you know, the chart. And I like it. I mean, I've always been a fan of Knob Creek. I, you yeah. know. It was one that really drew me in too. Actually, I had a buddy that was like, "Well, I got it, and it's fifty bucks, and I don't think it was that good." And I thought, "Oh, well, that's kind of a bummer because I really like regular Knob Creek, so mm-hmm. I didn't try it." Um, it was probably six, seven months before I got into it, and then a buddy, um, actually a, a dad of a kid that I worked with, was like, "Hey, mm-hmm. I have this Knob Creek single barrel. You ever had it before?" And I was like, "No, I'll give it a try." first taste i was like oh yeah this is like this is a whiskey that i like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it stayed there it's it's probably a top 20 for me if you add in the store picks they are amazing yeah that's the one thing i I feel like we miss out is store picks yeah we're starting to get them but again they up the price and then they give us no explanation it's not like here's jefferson's reserve store pick pennsylvania liquor control board it's aged 14 years and bottled at 92 proof we chose it for its notes of apricot and cranberry they don't tell us any of that they're just like here's a higher price same thing <laughs> so, so well, the same thing with them is i feel like like their like their quote-unquote store picks uh-huh. are for the masses yes so when we were at the the whiskey fest the, the one at the rivers yes they were selling one of their was it the Weller, oh yeah, yeah. Pick. I I actually kind of like that. And but I remember you, that's when you first said it. Well, you know, with their picks, yeah, they're nice, but they're mm-hmm. very like not bland's not the word. No, but it's it's they they look for softer notes, right? They yeah, like they want to give it vanilla to the notes. They want to you know this isn't like how I have that the Carruthers pick. Of yeah, the, like they're going right. for like crazy good. Like this doesn't taste anything else. This doesn't taste like a regular single barrel. You know, they want it to be unique. Yes. And that's when you look for a store pick, you start picking stores that pick stuff that that fits your profile. Mm-hmm. But the PA store picks kind of fit the profile of somebody that like likes whiskey but doesn't really like whiskey. Right. Like, we don't want this to taste too much like whiskey. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of their style. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if they explained it. Maybe I'm wrong, but they don't give us any information. The lack of transparency makes no, it hard. I don't hard. think they do either. Because I think even when you see it, it just is like it just has a dash at the end, like mm-hmm. F W G S pick or something, you know, single barrel pick. Yeah. Um, 
FWBS picks, more like. <laughs> so how's that treating you, Zach? I like it. Um, it's a jump, but it's, it's not it's a jump. crazy jump. Um, we're probably starting to get, I don't want to say towards the limit of the rye with me. I think I could still go a little ways, but I'm definitely picking up more of that rye pepperiness from this. But in this in this case... I got I got a peppercorn from the rye in okay. the in the Jim Beam, but mm-hmm. this one I get more of like the um, the bite I think from the wood. Yeah, you know, less peppercorn and more of that kind of that 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 like smoky char, smoky char flavor a little bit with this guy because there is a smoke to it. It does on the nose. It does again remind me of that like old wood, old books kind of a room, mm-hmm. um, even more so than the black label. Right. Um, but then when I taste it, it's like it's converting that smell into a taste, and I get that kind of charred barrel a little bit on the flavor profile. Okay, I think is 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 kind of what I'm experiencing right now. Does that? Yeah. No, I mean that. That's does that all, make yeah. sense, or mm-hmm. am I just totally? Do, should I see a doctor? Is I guess what I'm asking. <laughs> For me, the big pops of the sweetness here, and and this is another thing because I I drink a lot of higher proof stuff, so the high proof doesn't really doesn't it, it gives me what I want. It's mm-hmm. like. I I like spicy food, mm-hmm. and now I eat mostly habanero stuff. Well, mm-hmm. I started with jalapenos. You know, I didn't just walk right in and be like, well, give me the habaneros. Right. And I think that's kind of the same thing with whiskey. When you come in and you start drinking 80 or 90 or 100, and then you move up to 120, you're either going to, like, love it right away or you need some time. Mm-hmm. And to pick up some of the sweeter, more subtle notes on a very high-proof whiskey requires that you, you can th- th- take it a little bit. Right. Because it's going to try to fight you some. I, I will say that this is a whiskey that I'd be happy to take my time with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's one that I know I, – I like it right now. I know I'll like it more the more I experience higher proofs, the more mm-hmm. I experience mm-hmm. this whiskey. I do find this to be a very comforting whiskey. Yeah. It's very warming. Um, you said you were going to bring the fire today. I did. And you did. Um, I, with this but one, I don't think the, it's the, overbearing. It's not. And this one I thought was interesting because I – on the tongue – no heat. Yeah, where I, is your heat? That's I, a good question. I, I let it sit in my mouth for a minute when I took a sip because okay. I just wanted to see if I could start to feel the heat on my tongue. Nothing on the tongue. It was just very mild, very sweet on the tongue while it sat there. But then as it moved and passed over my palate, uh-huh. then the flavor started to pick up. And right at the top of the throat was where I started to feel the burn. And then I felt it kind of travel down a little bit, but it really stayed at the back of the mouth, top of the throat. Okay. And I felt the burn actually increase over time before it mm-hmm. decreased. It's I start. It starts off and you go, oh, there's a little bit of a kick there. And then as you're breathing and you're letting your like you're letting air pass over it, suddenly it's kind of like that kick's not done. It was just getting started, and it kind of ramps up before it diminishes. At least right. for me. What's I think too. One thing that you will hear if you go and take the distillery tours in Kentucky is that there's a way of drinking it, and when you drink it. As you take your drink and it goes down, you should blow out. And when you yeah. blow out, that takes out a lot of those stronger notes. Mm, okay. So it kind of helps it be a little bit soft. I think we've all had whiskey and you take a drink and it kind of goes down the wrong tube. Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, no, very mm. bad. I Like you sip it off the top of the glass and it hits the back of your throat before it hits your tongue and your palate. Mm. You're like, this is a bad choice. I have messed this up. This or maybe you've been I drinking die. a lot. <laughs> well, I know we've had people in the past um, have told us like when you're – nosing it yes you keep your mouth open yes because that lets out a lot of that alcohol or the the proof out and you get to just kind of smell I keep hitting my headphones you can just get to smell the whiskey and not the alcohol mm-hmm. 
I just exhaled after I swallowed that time, and it seriously diminished that rise in the burn. Okay, good. It 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 was a lot. I mean, you still had that fire, you mm-hmm. still had that heat, but it didn't make me kind of go. I cock my head a little and just, right. Ooh, that's a little bit of pain, but it's a good pain. Um, no, that that really softened the finish for me on the exhale. Good. Yeah, it's, it, it. Some of the stuff is science, you know. It does work. Some of the notes and the and the descriptions, that's more unique to the individual, but some of it's very real and mm-hmm. and it's hard to really knock off too much of the proof. At 120, it's going to yeah. it's going to bite some. It that just, was interesting. There was like a, a totally different like backwards flavoring happening when you just do that. Yeah. Um but again, even when I was just regularly before I uh, tried doing anything like that, like this doesn't take to me and I've had – no, I don't I don't drink specifically higher proof whiskey, but I've had a lot more in my my time. But I don't feel like this tastes like 120 proof whiskey. That's fair. You know I, I, mean? I think that's fair. The nine years is a reasonably long age like, yeah. for a whiskey or for a bourbon at least. And like if I was guessing, I wouldn't say 120. No. Okay. I, I, I'd probably put it higher than 90. Oh, absolutely. I'd probably put it at like one – 110 uh-huh but it is there is a smoothness to it and there's a roundness to it that takes a little bit of that edge off i, I think i love the oily mouth coating property of the higher proofs i like mm-hmm. the way that it like grabs your palate and kind of wraps it up almost like wax you know like there is that it, it yeah. really covers it and i think that's something that i miss in thinner whiskeys and i don't not that under 100 proof is thin but that you don't get that same experience experience on the on your mouth on your palate yeah and that's fun for me Mm -hmm. you do it does let the flavor profile stay longer with you when Mm -hmm. it coats your mouth like that it doesn't definitely vanish and as you get used to that you start like well well, where's where'd it go right you know and and you find with something that's 80 or 90 proof that you can almost drink it like water if you really wanted to Mm -hmm. right (laughs) well at that point when you're getting something younger or lower proof you're really just you're really just tasting a distillate at that yeah. point you're not really tasting the barrel and that's why people can say like oh, i can just drink this like water because right. it's just not that it is water because no. it's not but and you shouldn't drink there's it not like water, a but you could there's not you're not going to pick up a lot right like our notes that we have which is why i kind of said like there's no reason for us to keep saying giving notes on the buffalo trace because it's now that it is good but it's lower proof it's lower age like there's not much to it than what we're kind of getting. We we don't have to search for a lot of because there's nothing to search for. Right. Not in a bad way, but I don't know. But this one, there's a lot of different. Like each time I got, like one time I got like a dryness on the finish. You know, the other time some cherry popped up. You know what I mean? Like the, every sip, you're gonna get more. You're not gonna get that with some of the lower proof one, which isn't bad because that's not what they're there for. Right. This is here for that for for this specific. Anyway, yeah. I really get the char barrel on that. That's that's like the primary thing, and maybe maybe a little bit of like leather. Okay, I can see that. Um, Almost the, give it a little tobaccoy too. Yeah, it's it's again, it's very, it's very earthy. It feels you you can almost like taste the age, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Well, especially doing the vertical that we did. Yeah, in that style. Definitely can pick out something interesting with this. I really don't feel I, like this has to make it back. Okay. 
we're journeying out a beam here mm -hmm. into Wild Turkey. And Wild Turkey doesn't really have any crazy connection to beam. Uh, Rare Breed is just one of my favorite drinks. It fits well to me with Knob Creek Single Barrel because it rides right around 112 to 116.8 proof. Mm -hmm. And um, that's the newest batch that they've done. Okay. So it's a little bit different. How do you they... know it's the newest batch? Just because of it's... the proof. Oh, the proof. Yeah. You. Okay. So there's not like a batch number or anything on there. Right? Uh, not that I know about. Huh? Number four char. It has uh, Jimmy Russell's. Yeah. So, Zach, you might enjoy this because you do love a Russell's Reserve. I do love. So, what this will offer is a little bit of that wild turkey funk. The flavor profile for me is it's it's like the Knob Creek with less notes of the the brighter vanilla and a little bit more spice, but it's not not overbearing. I think that this is one that if you're trying to get people into barrel proof, this is one of the places you should start. Mm -hmm. And it's priced really well. I think even right now in PA, my after the most like experience I've had with with wild turkey was with you at the whiskey. Event. Yeah, um, we sat and I think we literally had everything that they. Yeah, they had a good they spread. Had, out they had there. they did have a good spread. They, they had rare breed. They had the, the Russell's rye. They had the regular Russell's. They had the single barrel. Like mm -hmm. that's when I really realized I was like. Oh, I like turkey products. Cause yeah. Do you think wild turkey gets a bad rap like regular wild turkey? I think so. I think that people think about wild turkey and they think about the, the 80 proof and not even mm -hmm. the 101 or 81 mm -hmm. proof that it is. Yeah. Um, but I think that kind of same thing happens to Beam with White Label. Yeah. And that same thing happens to JD with Old Number 7. People overlook their better stuff because they think, oh, well, it's not that good. Mm -hmm. Whereas like Maker's Mark, I think it's it's like 92 or 94 proof. Their mm -hmm. flagship bottle is a higher proof. So everybody kind of, oh, I like Maker's Mark more. Well, that's because it's actually a higher proof. There's more to it. Most flagships are around 80 to 85. Oh, yeah? Is that so, a dealer's so, bottle? Yeah. So both bottles. bottles we have is they're 90 proof. The regular Maker's Oh, 90 proof. Okay. 90 proof. The 46 is 94. Okay. That's where I was getting my 94. No, yeah. This the this is the, the double wax that uh -huh. like sold like real quick. They only sold it for like a little bit, but we bought it. It's like really stuck in here. Okay, um, but it's uh, yeah, that was the one we bought for the show because I was like, oh. well, those Dramienzers, we should probably get a bottle that's black and yellow dipped, which yeah. turned out to be a pain in the ass to open up because the the <laughs> double whack the thing dipped, just yeah. ripped, and I had to get a knife out and cut uh -huh. it. Up. <laughs> and it's always risky when you when you have to bust out the knife. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, I figured I, this I is going to end either in whiskey I was gonna, or the emergency room. Uh huh. Yeah. We weren't going to do a show if I slipped my hand open. Oh. So I think mm. the turkey comes off with more wood and not oak wood. I'm talking like cedar wood. I'm talking like a little bit softer. Mm -hmm. Not a deep vanilla like oak. But there is a good yeah, bit of vanilla in there. There's it's a it's definitely different nose than everything we've had at this point. Well, yes. which was all beam. All um, beam, all the same mash bill. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's similar in that there is a, a a a woodsy smell to it, but it's but it's a different. It's a different, and I'm getting a little bit oh, more wow. spice on the nose. I don't know what kind of spice. Yes, maybe like a like a like a cinnamon or an allspice. Okay, or something. nope, I don't both know. of them. Good, good stuff. Almost like a clove. Yeah, yeah, it's something just like something. Something that's a little bit spicy. 
but like really refreshing and a little bit sweet too. Yes, it definitely comes off sweet. I was just shocked. I got kind of like a an herbal tea and licorice on oh. the taste. It's definitely got that like oiliness to it. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! Yeah, could you hear me at all? I was just talking away from the mic. My bad. Oh yeah, I could. <laughs> yeah, you're fine. I mean, I could. I wasn't really paying attention to what the. Oh wow! <laughs> That's really freaking good. That's sweet. I'm getting a little honey on the finish. Okay. Yeah. Wow i I've never actually been able to pick out honey that clearly before. But for me, I mean, maybe that's to... that like thicker, like not oily, but like thicker. Well, no, that it, I'm it, it. Okay, we're having so many tongue jokes. Eventually, we're gonna have enough whiskey where I start making that's what she said jokes. We're not that's quite fine. there yet, but that's basically all last episode. It was, and <laughs> we will get there again. Don't you worry. But yeah, we're giving you. We're giving him all high-proof whiskey. This is going to get uh-huh. interesting real fast. But, okay, title of your sex tape. And you don't tape. have to. That was, a little bit thick. <laughs> that was a little bit thicker on the tongue. Uh... Um, for all of you Brooklyn Nine-Nine fans out there. Um, no, it, 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 the, the, the whiskey was thicker. Closer to like a syrup okay. consistency mm-hmm. on the tongue. Mm-hmm. Without being syrupy, it just it wasn't watery. You get that cinnamon on the back end, which is pretty good. It's important to note that I've always been kind of hard on wild turkey. Okay. Um, I'd say the other admins like wild turkey much more than I do. <laughs> but it's really just because I don't think that 101 in Pennsylvania is priced that well. It's like twenty five ninety nine here. So if I'm going to go and get wild turkey, I'm going to get rare breed. And we didn't have that for a couple of years until they just recently brought it back. How much does Rare Breed go for? Rare Breed after tax is about 46 Okay. So it's pretty fairly priced in yeah. the premium bourbon world. Yeah. And $40 my like – like 40 is my like I'll test this out or I don't have a problem spending yeah. this on a bottle consistently. And if it's bad, I'm not going to be that mad. Right. Yeah. But Rare Breed is one of the best bargain whiskeys out there. If you add in the proof, it's – it's hard to beat, except for maybe that 114 you have sitting up there. Mm-hmm. OGD 114, which OGD is also a Beam product. Um, that I bought. I bought that one at Beam. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but they, they do some really good stuff. And then the Knob Creek single barrel. So Knob Creek single barrel is almost a barrel proof. Almost. It's not a barrel proof, but it's almost. And sometimes it probably is a barrel proof. I mean, because they come Depending out. Depending on what happens. Yeah. Right. They could come out at 120 to 125, and that's you know that's not going to take much water to mm-hmm. proof that down. Mm-hmm. Rare breed is an actual barrel proof, and the one difference is is that Wild Turkey does a lot of lower entry proofs. When you put the whiskey in, or you put the distillate into the barrel to become whiskey, they typically start at a little bit lower proof. Whereas Beam will go more like 125. Mm-hmm. Wild Turkey will do more like 110. So does the proof typically go up? Typically, it does because of the hot weather in kentucky when the weather is really warm water evaporates before alcohol leaving a higher alcohol content okay so that's why whiskey from kentucky bourbon usually has a higher proof than say um a cask strength scotch that's 22 years old that might only be 109 proof Mm -hmm. and you're wondering what did they do well it over there where it's cooler temperatures the alcohol actually evaporates before the water so Mm -hmm. You get a little bit of a different process going on. Does anybody get any citrus? 
don't think so. <laughs> no? I do feel like I get a decent blast of the licorice. Almost a mintiness, like an herbal tea. But it's very good. Very sweet. Mm-hmm. Like baked goods. See, for me, this drink's hotter than the Knob Creek. Oh. Not much. Interesting. Not really? not by much. But I huh. feel it a lot more. And it's not a... Again, when I say that, it's not a bad thing. Mm. I think it's I spicier. I don't think it's hotter, though. Well, maybe that's what I'm thinking, then. I, I get more spice on the tongue, but I don't get as much burn on the throat. Right. Okay, that's kind of, I guess that's yeah. kind of where I'm at, yeah. The spice on my palate is more. I think yes. there's more going on. I think this is more complex than that Knob Creek, uh-huh. too. Mm-hmm. I think that's why I'm thrown off, because we just literally did the same thing three times. Uh-huh. And now it's just like, what is this? Right. Beautiful thing. And that's what makes it so fun about trying all the different companies. I think in the whiskey world, you'll hear a lot of the Scotch fans talk about how all bourbon kind of tastes the same. And all I think is, if that's the case for you, then you're not really that good at this yet, if they all taste the same. Yeah. No, there, like there, rubbing alcohol. there, there are differences. There really are. Mm-hmm. I remember I had a, I had a, a Woodford Reserve, which I thought I would really enjoy, and it was fine. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I had that right after I had a Maker's, and I was like, I don't enjoy that as much as I enjoyed Maker's. It was, I don't know, I don't, I don't know why, but it was one of those instances where I was like, there is a difference in flavor. Right. There is a difference in the flavor profile because this Woodford Reserve, while fine, while perfectly enjoyable was not as cohesive a flavor profile for me as Maker's Mark was. Right. Um, I think, And then you go from Maker's Mark to like a Knob Creek or a Wild Turkey, and suddenly you go mm-hmm. back to the Maker's Mark, and you're like, this is a much simpler flavor profile than I thought it was. Yeah. Because I just had something a lot more complicated. Yeah, that Rare Breed's a nice treat, though. Mm-hmm. I, I really find it to be an affordable and accessible, excellent whiskey. Mm-hmm. Bobby, thank you for bringing that, because, I mean... You said that was what twenty five, uh, after tax forty five. Oh, forty five. Okay, yeah, I, that is something I would like to add to my collection at home. Mm-hmm. Like that is something I could thoroughly enjoy drinking, especially in like something I'm noticing is like a lot of these products that we're having right now with that more oaky, woodsy, and peppery and smoky kind of flavor profile. I can't get fall out of my head. Yes. And how mm-hmm. this would just be such a great drink to sip in, like, the cool, crisp air. Mm-hmm. On, I think that's on, your on. go-to, too. It because is. Because every time we get one that you really, really enjoy, that's exactly what you say with all of them. This would be great in a fall. Like, I mean, you're sitting here in your sweater right now, like, you know, like. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love fall. Well, I love the fall. Well, right above you, too. So I, I love, I love, well, summer's probably my favorite time of the year. But uh-huh. but fall is a close second. Um, yeah. Because I love those those are the what two saying, seasons for me when you get the most like sensory engagement. Like in mm-hmm. the spring and the fall, you get the smell of everything coming back to life. Or sorry, in the spring and the summer, you get the smells of everything coming back to life. In the fall, that crisp, cool autumn air with the the mm-hmm. leaves changing and everything like that. Fall to me is is the smokiest time of year. Mm-hmm. Everything kind of has that that earthy smell to it that would just pair so well with a smoky what i'm saying is i think we found your your place yeah in in the whiskey world it's it's oaky with a little bit of smoke Mm -hmm. like that you could enjoy by a fire Mm-hmm. Or out on the porch when you can sit in jeans and your sweater yep. and just you know I think that's I you think that's your niche. my happy place. I think, yes, exactly. 
I think it's funny too because when I think about fall, I think about a lot of like nutmegs and allspice and mm-hmm. pumpkin spice mm-hmm. and those kind of like cinnamon spice. I think those things go really well with with the earthier tones of the leaves and the trees and, and in most cases a fire if you're like me. I'm not usually sitting outside in the fall without a fire. Yeah. Thanks for listening to part one of our interview with Bobby Long. Be sure to check out all of our social medias, our Patreon page and our Foodless page where you can find all the links for all of those at pittsburghwhiskeyfriends.org and look for the Those Dramians or header. We'll see you next time.